everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Help on the Way podcast. I am your co-host, The Game, here with my fellow co-host, Nob and Fig. Go ahead and say good morning, boys. Good morning, boys. Good morning, boys. Actually, it's just in the afternoon. It's a it's a brunch time for some folks. I know it's technically lunch time, but it's, it's lunch brunch. Time. It's it's brunch for those in the Midwest and the West Coast, right? Now. Lunch pod. Here some we go. Some of us still waking up. It's breakfast time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the life of being young. Uh, this week's episode is featuring December twenty sixth, nineteen eighty. That is the Grateful Dead playing at the Oakland Auditorium in Oakland, California. But before we get into this week's main event, let's go into this week's Channel 6 News segment and talk about the news that's currently going on, which in Grateful Dead World is Dead & Company 2022 Summer Tour. Uh, Since our last um, recording... who Our last recording, what shows... Now, do you remember which shows happened as of our last recording? I think all Did of the get... California shows had happened, but not yet the Boulder shows. Okay. So since our last time we got together, we went through both June 17th and June 18th at Folsom Field. And a little peek behind the curtain just last evening was 622 at the Hollywood Casino Amphitheater in St. Louis. Um, Nob, I know you have been listening a ton. Boy, uh, have I. And I have been as well. Um, do you have any reactions you would like to share with uh, on those three shows? Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed the two Boulder shows. I thought uh, I enjoyed the California shows leading up to them. But in my opinion, the Boulder shows is where Dead & Co. really started to seem on to me. Um, both of those nights have brilliant set lists, brilliant playing, uh, 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 some brilliant, brilliant jamming. Um, some really electric shows that weekend. Um, and then last night's St. Louis show, I thought it was a little more mellow because of the heat and all that kind of stuff. But there was still some really cool stuff throughout it. A really nice playing in the band, uh, Uncle John's band, that both got like really, really a jammy in a way you don't always expect from Dead & Co. Um, I think this has been a good week of shows, and I'm looking forward to the one that's happening tonight. But if you're listening now, it happened a week ago. I'm going to echo your statements. Um, I'm going to say that the two Boulder shows um, might be up there for... Um, I, I, I don't know if I could particularly pick which one I liked more from the yeah. two Boulder shows. Um, if I have to have a lean, it's definitely the Fantasy Hey Jude show, hey, which yeah. I th- think was Me 18. Yeah. Um, but it was a really good two-night run. Um, yeah, the fantasy seemed a lot more comfortable this time around than yes. it did the first time. Especially Mayor really felt like he knew what he was doing. Most two-night runs, at least in my time with Dead & Company, starts with like a stinker first night. Or I should say stinker. Uh, but like a kind of mellow first <laughs> night. And then a really, as far as Dead & Company goes, a really powerful second night. And both of these shows were excellent. Um, yeah. Excellent, excellent shows. Um, and I agree with, um, from what I've, I haven't listened to the entire show of uh, the St. Louis show yet, uh, but so far it's, it's okay. Um, Easy Wind, John sang. I really enjoyed yep. that. Uh, really enjoyed that, even though he had like a headband on. And <laughs> like, he just, 
I don't know. I, I was expecting that John Mayer last night, but uh, yeah, I was correct just, if I'm wrong. The Den Company seems to be doing a uh, pig pen turn this um, this tour. Is that right? They've definitely been Mayer, I think in particular, has found a sweet spot in the Dead's music and that he nails pretty much any pig pen song they give to him. Um, and so, yeah, I would say they've been doing at least one of these for each of the shows. I'm hoping for a next time you see me in the next show or two. Then up next for Dead and Company once again is June 22nd. That is in Cincinnati. Um, and as we said, um, the lot right now in Cincinnati is actually already happening. <laughs> I'm browsing through my Instagram and I'm seeing live footage from the Cincinnati lot. So those boys are already out there having fun. And then Friday and Saturday night, uh, June 24th and 5th. They are at Wrigley in Chicago. So a couple, uh, couple more exciting Den Company shows coming up, and we will have our thoughts on those three shows uh, next week. But now, let's get into our main event of this week. December 26th, 1980. Think about it. Where were you? December 26th, 1980. Me? I wasn't born, but some of you probably were. December 26th, 1980, day after Christmas, Oakland, California, the Oakland Auditorium, the Grateful Dead played for 20,000 in the SIVA benefit. Uh, and SIVA is a global nonprofit eye care organization that transforms lives by restoring sight and preventing blindness. Their programs build self-sustaining eye clinics that provide critical eye care to underserved communities, especially women, children, and indigenous communities. So a 20,000-seat benefit on the day after Christmas, uh, 1980, in Oakland, California. And I must say, this is a pretty damn good show. <laughs> yeah, I this would was, agree. This was a damn good show. Yeah. Um Day after Christmas, um, the set lists, in my opinion, didn't really have any rhyme or reason to them. Uh, but damn, I liked them. Uh, let me go into set number one here. Set number one gave us Alabama Getaway into the Promised Land. They love each other. CC Ryder, Althea, Cassidy, Peggy O. Lost Sailor into Saint of Circumstance, and then it ended with Deal. Uh, Fig, go ahead and give us your thoughts on set number one. Yeah, thanks a lot. Um, so this was a great show. Uh, definitely some Boxing Day energy. Um, big energy show throughout the really throughout both sets. Um, it felt like I know it was a it, it was a benefit show, and you know typically when you hear about these benefit shows, they're just playing to you know a couple thousand fans or whatever. Um, but this one was uh, at the Oakland Auditorium. I didn't realize that they were playing to probably around 20,000 people. Uh, but it did feel like they were just trying to impress their friends and trying to really um, uh, enjoy themselves and kind of uh, you know spread out and have fun. Because they were. And, and they were having fun. It was a high-energy show um, throughout both sets. Uh, the mix was a little funky. So I will kind of warn people about that. Uh, if you're a Phil head, you're not going to hear any Phil. No. Um and probably not much of uh Bob's guitar. Um, but the rest is very, very listenable. Um, you know, the, the vocals sounded really good throughout and uh Brent sounded great, so I know um Game and I are happy. 
But uh, yeah, just high energy for Getaway into Promised Land. Uh, they love each other. Um, was a great soloing intercha- interplay between uh, Brent and Jerry. Uh, Brent was doing his little kind of like tinkling toy piano kind of sound, which um, worked in in the uh, worked in the solo, but not so much you know throughout. Um, mm. You know, kind of when he plays uh, underneath everybody else. Um, but I thought it did actually work, and they love each other. CC Rider, not one of my favorites, but I thought they played it really well. I have two exclamation points down. Um, that was a really good blues jam there. And again, Althea, um, I don't rate it super high. I know a lot of people do, but this one had a ton of energy, a really good tempo. And uh, that brings me down to, uh, as far as my notes, to Sailor Saint. Uh, this was a super highlight of the first set. Uh, there was a very, very powerful version of Sailor Saint, and we had an epic build in the Saint. Um, so that is not to be missed. And then they round things out with Deal, which I thought was awesome. Who else wants to go? Nob, you're well, up next. I'll say some thoughts. Um, agree. I really liked Alabama Getaway as an opener. It doesn't always work for me. I understand on paper I like why it, it works. I, it's, it's when it works, it really works. And this is one that really works. Um, the solo that Jerry did at the end was killer. You could tell even from the first solo that like he was in a mood to play some guitar tonight. Um, a very nice promise land. The band really gets into that one. Um, it's funny, I wrote the same words down that you did about <laughs> they love each other. I really like the interplay. I really like the solos. Nice. Um, as soon as you said the word interplay, I was like, what am I going to say? Word. It's a knob word. What am I going to say? <laughs> um, yeah, it's a really high energy show. The CC Rider really ripped. I think the only song, yeah. if I had to say a song that didn't quite work for me, it was the Peggio, which I thought was lovely. Um, but in the context of this higher energy show, and you can kind of hear the crowd start to chomp a little bit once the Peggio starts. Um, it wasn't my highlight of the night, um, but uh, to then go into that Sailor Saint, that was killer. It's a weird Sailor Saint. It definitely doesn't sound like most of the Sailor Saints I know. There's like a busyness to the Lost Sailor, especially when they're doing all that and everyone's doing all their different little things underneath. But once they really start building, I was like, okay, we are in for a ride into a really nice build, into a really dancey scene of circumstance. Um, yeah. I'm usually used to that song being a little more like epic. And I think a lot of this was on the drummers, but there was like this very like dancey groove to it, which was really cool. Was very along too. Absolutely. Very helps, different yeah. kind of saint, which I really enjoyed. Um, yeah. yeah. And then a spirited deal. I don't know. I find the show a little bit hard to talk about because. Like, I just like it. <laughs> a lot yeah. of it just works for me. But right. uh, yeah, I really enjoyed that first set. I'm going to echo. Um, I really enjoyed They Love Each Other. Um, that's always a highlight for me um, on any show it's played. And that is no different here. Uh, my personal favorite part of the entire show, as my desktop computer screensaver comes on, um, was the segment from Casio? Uh, Casio. <laughs> That's how they should say it. Casio is it a watch or something? <laughs> yes. Um, is the, the is the Cassidy, <laughs> Peggio, and then the Lost Sailor and Saint. Um, I really and normally I love Althea. Uh, this Althea was just kind of here, um, and just like Deal. Um, Deal was just kind of here for me. 
Um, but the Cassidy through um, State of Circumstance, um, I absolutely loved that entire stretch. Um, it was probably one of the better set ones um, we've listened to, I would say, so far on this podcast. I would say this is probably one of the better shows we've listened to on this whole podcast. Uh, but this definitely stands out for a, a really good um, set one. Uh, now, let's go into set number two. Set number two kicked off with Scarlet Begonias into Fire on the Mountain, Samson and Delilah, Ship of Fools, Playing in the Band, Drums, Space, Not Fade Away, Black Peter, Around and Round, and Good Lovin' with an encore of U.S. Blues. Uh, Nob, go ahead and give us your thoughts on set number two. I really enjoyed set number two. I don't know if i enjoyed it as much as set number one but i think it's because there's more to this set number two so there were just a couple of songs that didn't work for me uh that we didn't quite have in set one um the scarlet fire was really cool um i like the vibes on the scarlet begonias some nice organ from brent um i found this is probably for phil people this is probably the song you can hear him the best um he's adding some really nice stuff in here um, there's almost a lick when Jerry's doing his solo, and I know this is like eight years before that song existed, but I was like, that's Foolish Heart. He did like a little, and I was like, that's Foolish Heart. Ooh. But it predates the song by many, many years, but that was cool to hear. was that? Scarlet Begonias. Oh, cool. um, I'll check that out. Yeah, it's not the most exploratory Scarlet, but it's a really no. well done Scarlet. Um, into a really smooth transition into a really, I found the fire on the mountain to be really fun. Some nice grooves. Yeah. It's a shorter Scarlet fire for sure. And it's faster, um, which yeah, but I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, the plane in the band might've been a highlight for me. Um, it was fa It was a fast, this, this plane in the band was brought to you by the letter C. Um, and then the letter O and then the letter K and then the letter E. Um, it was a very good plan in the soft band. Drink? It, was, it was a product placement. Yeah, band? yeah, a soft drink product placement. <laughs> um, yeah, a, a really good plan in the band. Some really nice jams to it. There's this like snare heavy jam around the five and a half minute mark that I really liked, and then there's this weird spacey jam right as the end as we're getting into drums that I also really liked. Um, a really weird space, very synth heavy, taking us into the not fade away. Um, there's a little technical sloppiness on the not fade away, but the energy is so good that honestly, you really don't mind it. You notice it for about 15 seconds, then you go, this is awesome. Um, and then probably one of my other set two highlights is that Black Peter. I thought that was lovely. I thought the band got really into it. I really liked the like bluesy start to things. Um, yeah, I really did enjoy the second set as well. Nob, can we, can we rate the Scarlet Fire? Ooh, well, see, my problem is I always rate my Scarlet Fires higher than you do because I think I just haven't heard as many lately. So just hearing one, I always go, that was nice. Um, but I would probably, I would give this, yeah, I'd comfortably give this one a seven. I think between the good vibes, it's, it's not the most out there Scarlet Fire, but from a, a craftsmanship standpoint, it's a very well-played Scarlet Fire. Yeah, true that. Um, game, you want to go? Um, sure. Um, I definitely, while I really enjoyed set two, um, I definitely enjoyed set one a little bit more. Um, 
Scarlet Fire Samson was great. Um, Ship of Fools was lovely. Um, playing in the band, I really enjoy, but I will admit that I had this on this morning while I was working, and I looked up at one point because I figured, wow, I've made it really deep into drums and space, and I normally don't make it this deep into drums and space. And we were like nine minutes into playing in the band, and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> that That's where we're at. Uh, but really enjoyed it. Um, Black Peter, I'm not the biggest fan of Black Peter. Um, I'll be honest, it, it puts me in a mood. <laughs> and, and, and it's black, I, man. Yeah, and I'm not trying to always get in that mood, especially when I have like six hours left of my workday. Um, so Black Peter was just kind of eh for me. Uh, but Round and Round, Good Lovin' and uh, U.S. Blues, oh, great. I wish they ended... Um, 2020 Dead and Co or 2022 Dead and Company. If you can cut any and all one more Saturday night encores and replace them with U.S. Blues encores, I would be very, very happy. Uh, but yeah, um, solid set two. Um, for me, not as fun as set one, but still very good. Uh, take it away, Fig. What's your thoughts on set two? Yeah, before I do so, can you rate the Scarlet Fire? Ooh. Out of 10? Um, seven, seven. Okay. Uh, cool. Yeah. So, I I rated the second set probably a little bit higher than than you guys did. It sounds like. Um, I thought that they brought the energy throughout. I love the set list. I'm I'm a huge Scarlet Fire fan, and I thought this one was phenomenal. And and again, like I agree that it wasn't very exploratory. Uh, but they were having a hell of a lot of fun. And I was driving around yesterday listening to Scarlet Fire, and I was having fun. And the audience mix, you know, part of the great thing about an audience mix is that, you you know, you just kind of feel like you're there. You hear the crowd noise. You get energized with the crowd. Um, and I thought that really came through uh, throughout the entire show, but definitely um, in Scarlet Fire because I was, I was loving it. I was energized with the guys. Uh, you could tell Jerry was having fun on fire. It was just cool to see him doing his thing and kind of leading the pack and, um, you know, just, just changing changing the energy around. Um, it was really cool. Um, Ship of Fools, uh, again, I have to give props to Jerry for this one. Uh, he has a solo where, you know, he doesn't play much like negative space, you know, but he has, he in the solo in Ship of Fools, he just kind of hangs on the notes like, Bear! And it was just awesome. He just hung it so long, and it just made me want to hear how he ended it. And he played it so well. Um, so Ship of Fools, especially Jerry Solo, was a huge highlight for me. No one mentioned the Spanish Jam teaser. Did you guys mm. notice that? That was fun. Yeah, right before playing in the band, they did a little Spanish Jam, and I thought that would have been really cool to to hear. Um, I just love you know kind of exploring that side of uh, you know more of an exotic sound in the music. Um, and we, it would have been a rarity. Uh, but we get playing in the band, which, of course, is not a rarity. I think it's their most played song. Is that right? What it's up there. That? It's up there. Um, again, a lot of energy in playing. Um, yeah, it does get very exploratory um, at the end, um, you know, during the jam. The jam actually gets a little dissonant to my ears, so I, I didn't appreciate that. Uh, drums occurs. And then space, actually. Uh, the recording that I have has like a two-minute space, two-and-a-half-minute space. But it was very uh, atmospheric. Uh, I think Nob was talking about that. It was very synth-heavy. And I actually really appreciate that. I'm, I'm a huge fan of Brian Eno. 
Um, I don't know if you guys are aware of his work, but, um, yeah. you know, he's a producer, you know, electronics magician, you know, synth heavy guy, uh, does atmospheric, uh, work, um, uh, ambient work. Right. And I would love, I would just love to see him work with the dead. Like that is the dream of mine. And, and there was a little bit of a taste of that, um, at the, uh, during the space. So for me, that was a, that was a real highlight. And then, um, the last, uh, you know, kind of taking us out of set two is all energy. Even Black Peter, I thought, had a lot of energy, especially at the end. Um, yeah, that song could be a real downer, um, like Game said, but I think Jerry was playing some interesting stuff, some higher energy stuff uh, at the end of Black Peter. So all in all, um, a great second set. Um, I will rank the Scarlet Fire as an eight, actually, which I think is my highest. Um and the only reason it's not a nine, I think, is because of the uh, audience mix. I would have liked to hear, you know, um, yeah, I just would have liked to hear the fidelity of, of the uh, music a little bit better. Um, but that's pretty high for Scarlet Fire. I mean, I love all Scarlet Fires, but this one was a really good one. So that's my take on set number two. All right. So now something that we have not discussed yet. Uh, which set should we be featuring? Are we going to be featuring set number one or set number two? Uh, I will start with the vote right away. Uh, I am voting proudly as a set one boy. Set one. I'll, uh, I'll let Fig vote next to build some dramatic tension. Ooh. Uh, well... Yeah, good call, because I'm a huge <laughs> proponent of set two, uh, typically, but in this show especially. Mm. Yeah, I I go back and forth, um, but I, I found the first set to be just a little more consistent. Um, I do highly recommend seeking out set two, but I think I'm going to vote for set one. And there you have it, folks. Set number one is the winner, so right after this podcast... Please stick around and listen to set number one of 1226-1980. Next up, we have uh, one Reddit comment, actually, um, from Last Laugh, and it's just a great Althea. Bobby definitely getting the hang of the slide by this point. We'll say it, it, that's a great comment, um, but one of, the, one of my notes from black peters at the very end uh bobby starts doing some really annoying slide work <laughs> so um, i know we've been doing so well in that first yeah. set. Like, oh man it's so hard bad. you know yeah. what that was the tipping point that was that was what made knob go for set one versus set two. yeah that might be actually <laughs> bobby slide <laughs> all right book of the dead um fig does this show make your book of the dead I'm going to say yes for now. I know that might change at the end of the year, um, but it was a super high energy show. It definitely fits a need, you know, when I want, you know, to listen to a dead show that's kind of up. Um, whether I feel that way at the end of the year, I'm not quite sure. But for today, being asked uh, if it's part of my Book of the Dead, I will say emphatically yes. All right, Nob, how about you? I'm actually thinking really similar to Fig here. I think definitely yes, but. As the year goes on, I wouldn't be surprised if it wound up not being there. But for now, absolutely, yes. Uh, hey, I'm going to say yes as well. Um, and this conversation means we should really have like a, a middle of the year show to review like our Book of the Dead shows uh, to go back and revisit to see what we would take on and off. 
Uh, but yes, I'm going to say yes to this one for myself. Uh, it's a good party show. I seem to enjoy the party-type atmospheres. Now, every Grateful Dead show is a party-type atmosphere. Uh, but day after Christmas, this is a benefit. They're in their backyard. Like, it's a party. Yeah. You know, like, like everybody's comfortable. You can just tell. Uh, and this was good. This was this was a good show. Uh, will it be there December 26th of 2022? I don't know. But as of June 22nd, it is absolutely there for me. And I think this is a rare three for three um, for us uh, and Book of the Dead, which is pretty neat as well. My question is, I wonder if there's a soundboard somewhere in in the vault, right? I'd be interesting to see. Because this is the first show in the pretty long, like maybe five show run at the Oakland Auditorium. And I wonder if uh, there is a soundboard out there. It'd be interesting to see if the other shows have one. And then I also wonder if maybe there's something contractually with SIVA that we can't get that soundboard. Although that being said, there were some uh, sources on Archive saying, claiming to be a Matrix. I couldn't tell if they were actually were a Matrix with the soundboard. But um, yeah, that's one of the things holding me back with this show. Uh, is that it wasn't a soundboard, or there wasn't a really good matrix. There are so, the videos on YouTube, oh yeah, uh, but they aren't from the official Grateful Dead account. They're on okay. the Music Vault account, uh, Grateful Dead on Music Vault. And each of the songs, I think there are four or five, maybe six um, songs, and I think they're all set one. Um black and white they don't have very many views at all i mean like a couple hundred um but they do appear to be soundboard videos now not the best quality auto recordings i've ever heard um in fact comparing i think i listened to the cassidy um and compared the video cassidy to what we listened to and i much prefer the audience recording uh, which is rare for me because I normally always go for soundboard. Uh, but there is some, I think, soundboard out there. I think it's worth checking out the video clips, but the video clips are only from said one. I would be interested to see, um, to watch them play that playing in the band where it gets all funky and exploratory. And I would like to see that. But alas, that's not on there. But it does also, real quick, well, and then we'll wrap up this topic for 122680. It wonders me that... So there is a great example of a show that was obviously recorded. Okay? Like, December 1980. It wasn't easy to videotape shows. Right? So, there's five or six videos out there of said show. Where's the rest? It's not like they just packed their video equipment up after set one, I'm sure, and left. Well... It's possible they didn't have the film, right? Because it's not just like it does happen. They would have to carry around all that film too. I don't know. There's what the a couple of dead like tapes, especially from the later '80s, where uh, they'll have like 90% of the show, but the last couple of songs will be missing because they ran out of the tape. And I wouldn't be surprised. That's the reason we only have as much of Vanita '72 as we do. Is just that the pranksters ran out of film. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if that was part of it. Next week, we are going. Big one. It's a big one, boys. To 1977. May Woo! 1977. May. Let's be specific here. 77. We haven't is done it, it yet. We have not done a May 77 show. It is not 
May 8th. Instead, it is May 17th, 1977. It is a Tuesday show, and it is in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, at the, Specs. at the University of Alabama Coliseum. And I must say, um, looking at the set list, I'm quite looking forward to this 1977 show. I've never listened to this one. I've listened to a lot of May 77, and I've never listened to this one. Um, this one isn't a Dix picks. I know five nineteen, which a couple days yeah. later, which one was of one the of the songs... first ones I bought, and I love five nineteen from Lakeland, Florida. Fantastic, fantastic stuff. That's a good one. One of the songs on here, I won't say what it is on the pod, so that we still have some uh, some interest and intrigue. But one of these songs is on Fallout from the Fill Zone, and it is a really good rendition. Ooh. I've definitely seen that album on Spotify already. The Fallout from the Fill Zone. Good stuff. On Explain there. to the audience and people like me who don't know what Fallout from the Fill Zone is. Sure, it's a it's a compilation that came out in like ninety eight, ninety nine that was put together by Phil himself. It's oh, wow. a bunch of dead tapes, and the emphasis is on stuff that hadn't been released before or like iconic bits of Grateful Dead history. He tried to find. There was a rumor they played an hour long in the midnight hour. And he tried really hard to find that hour-long midnight hour, and he couldn't find it. But the longest midnight hour that exists, that's like 30-something minutes, is on there. They have that uh, the Hard to Handle from August 71 that's one of my favorite dead performances. Um, yeah, just a lot of cool stuff from all different eras of Grateful Dead history. It looks like we have another Scarlet Fire to rate next week. Uh, that looks like it's at the end of set one, so that's going to be interesting comparing an end of set one to a opening of set two of Scarlet Fire. Right after a sunrise, I don't know if it can compete. Yeah, that's that's going to be pretty. That's pretty hard. That's pretty good. <laughs> I actually like sunrise. That was a cheap joke. Uh, my bad. My bad. Then uh, let's see here. Set two. Oh yeah, Terrapin estimated. Wharf Rat, Sugar Mac, Encore? Oh, yeah. I'm super into that. Next week, we might feature both sets if it's <laughs> if they're good. It's <laughs> anyway, so next week, we are featuring May 17th, 1977. Once again, that is in the University of Alabama in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Now, of course, let's go ahead and do our housekeeping for this week. As always, please smash that subscribe button like and share to any and all of your Grateful Dead and non-Grateful Dead loving friends and family. You may find us at wherever podcasts are downloaded, but not ones that rhyme with Totify, unfortunately. Uh, you may find us directly at helponthewaypod.podbean.com. You may email us at helponthewaypod at gmail.com. You may find us on Reddit at reddit.com slash r slash Grateful Dead. We normally have the Help on the Way um, thread stickied at the top of the page. However, this is Dead & Company 2022 tour, so you might have to look for the thread a little bit, but it should still be near the top. And a quick plug for my Twitch channel, even though we are on a temporary hiatus, but we will be returning in July of 2022, that is twitch.tv slash the GD channel. Uh, before we go ahead and say our goodbyes, uh, do any of you boys have any further comments, either 
on 12-26-1980 or looking forward to May 17th, 1977. I have something quick. I just bought tickets to Darkstar at the beach uh, last night, so I'm looking forward to that. It's this upcoming Saturday and should should be a raucous time or a chill time. I'm not sure. It'll be a time. A high time. (laughs) <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. All righty, everybody. Thank you once again for another amazing episode of the Help on the Way podcast.
Thank you.